Hello, this is Lorenzo Della Foresta, and I'm the lead pastor at River's Edge. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for joining us. I hope this talk inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you. Today is the continuation of a spiritual conversation that has been taking place between you and Jesus. I'm certain that you'll be blessed by His Word, and I believe that God has great things in store for you because you already belong. Enjoy the message. And we are in this series called Unafraid, and what we are doing each week is looking at the things that can fill us with fear, that can put us in a position where we are very much afraid of what is coming next. And I know that on a day like today, on a day that's quite gloomy on the outside and a little dark maybe even on the inside, we can sometimes just be afraid of something that has been bothering us throughout this week. Maybe something that's been bothering us for a lot longer than a week. And sometimes one of the worst things that we can be left with is just silence. Because it's then that our minds tends to work a little over time in thinking about that very thing that is disturbing us, that is bothering us, that is occupying our thoughts. And it can make us afraid, afraid of what may or may not come to pass. And the Bible tells us that when we are in moments of silence, we can sometimes hear God best. Uh, We can not just hear Him in the storm or just hear Him in times where other people are speaking on His behalf, but we can also hear Him in the silence. And so if we ignore the silent moments of our lives, then what happens is that we can actually be detaching ourselves from God. Um, I, I know that back in the early 90s, when I was uh, pastoring in a church in Boston, I was uh, a new citizen to the States, and I had been called in by a church to work there. And um, I was, you know, setting up my life, and, and because I didn't have an established credit in the United States, someone had to come alongside me and, and co-sign for uh, a car loan. And when we sat down um, and did our budget with uh, this person, he says, this is the maximum that you can afford based on the salary that you're making. I'm like, okay, that makes sense. And so I went out to buy a $9,000 car. And we went and went to this dealership and I got into a used Honda Civic. It was this white um, car that was not what I wanted, but what I could afford. And, and so we sat down and and the guy says, well, you, you can have it with two options. Uh, sorry, one of two options. One is air conditioning, and the other is radio, but you can't have both. And I remember sitting there thinking to myself, wow, life is so hard. <laughs> so filled with complicated decisions, and, and decisions that are ultimately going to determine the next several years of my life. And so. As I sat there and I thought about it, what is it that I would need more? And I thought about it and I said, you know what, I'm always talking to myself anyways, I'll take the air conditioning. And that's what I did. And so anytime anybody got into my car, which wasn't often because I didn't have a radio, um, and you don't want to be working with youth and young adults and not have cool music, so not only did I not have a cool car, I did not have a radio. 
So whenever I, we had to go anywhere, we were like, no, I don't want to ride with the pastor. But I said, I have air conditioning. <laughs> it didn't seem to, to work as well. But the point being is that I wasn't afraid of the silence. I was okay with it. And in fact, my best moments of thinking, preparing, and, and even communicating with God are, are in the silence. And I wasn't afraid to not have a car radio. I was, I was okay with that. And I still am. In fact, many times I still ride without anything on because I would much rather take those moments and allow God to work and speak in my life in long commutes than if I was just always filling my life with noise. Let me ask you something. When you think of the silence, do you think of how God can is or isn't leading you. I think about that for a moment because it is in the silence that we can sometimes hear God best, but there are times when God is just simply silent. And you're praying, you're asking, you're reaching out to God, and He is not answering. Have you ever felt that? I think there isn't a person in this room who hasn't felt that, who hasn't experienced that. Uh, every person that we see in the Bible is a person who somehow has had some kind of miraculous encounter with God, but they had also very long stretches of silence. And it's like what God told them, what God gave them, had to be enough to carry them for 25 years of silence. What God gave them and put in their heart had to be long enough for not just 40 days, but it would have to be sometimes good enough for 40 years. And I need you to get that, that these moments of silence can make us turn either towards God or away from God and towards other sources. And so I'm going to talk to you about how there was a king named Saul who didn't like the silence. And, and the prophet that he had depended on, Samuel, was dead. And God wasn't speaking to him anymore because the Bible tells us that God had already left him. And God wasn't in a relationship with Saul anymore. And, and Saul was in a battle and he had to go against the Philistines. And he wanted to know what would happen to him and to his sons because he wanted to know what would happen to him and to his kingdom. He wanted to know if he died in battle that his kingdom would actually be given to his sons, that his sons would be able to carry on his kingdom, that his name would continue to live on, that he would not be replaced as he suspected and as he knew was probably very imminently going to be true in him being replaced by someone else by the name of David. And so in his moments of silence, Saul didn't want that, couldn't accept that, didn't want to believe that, and so he started to look elsewhere. Let me ask you a question. Who in the room knows what their astrological sign is? Just put up your hand. You don't have to tell me what it is. Just you know what your astrological sign is. If you don't know what I'm talking about, um, if I say Pisces, do you know what that means? If I say Cancer or Capricorn, do you know what, do you know what your sign? One more time. Just put up your hand real quick. Okay, so for the most part, we know. We know. Now, why do we know? 
Okay, how, how many of us have somehow looked at our horoscope, read it, just out of curiosity, or maybe believed in it, and maybe, maybe still do? Is it, is it not because, whether we want to believe it or not, we are still looking for guidance in the silence? And I want you to understand that you're not alone. I mean, this is something that's quite common for, for most of us. We, we, we want to figure out what is going to happen next. And we sometimes talk to people. We look for signs. We, we read signs. We read people who read signs and read the stars who hopefully can give us signs. We sometimes talk to the dead. We're not just talking about talking to dead saints, we do that, but we also talk to dead relatives. And we ask for their guidance beyond the grave. We ask for their protection, we ask for them to watch over us. We ask for them to guide us in the difficult moments of our lives. We look for guidance wherever we can. And then once in a while, we also turn to God in prayer. And we turn to God asking God for help in our everyday lives. And we sometimes believe that somehow an angel is more powerful than Jesus. We sometimes believe that the dead can speak to us more clearly than the living. We sometimes believe that someone who once watched over us watches over us still, and we would rather depend and rely on them than on a God that we've never seen. And when these things happen, it, it moves us out of a place where we refuse the silence so that we can receive guidance and we don't care where it comes from. And so that was the predicament that Saul was in. Saul didn't care anymore. He didn't care where the guidance came from, he just knew that he needed it. So the Bible tells us that he tells his leaders and his servants, he tells everyone that is close to him, I want you to find someone who can give me an answer as to whether or not I will win this battle. And they go and they look. But the problem is, there's almost no one left. And the reason there's no one left is because Saul, by his own decree, had every witch and sorcerer, every occultist, and every idol worshiper put to death. And so he had done this because he wanted to honor God, but now that God is silent towards him, he no longer wants to honor God. He wants to go back and undo what he did. And he says, find me someone who is still alive. And so his servants will come back to him and they say, there is one person. And that person is a witch. And she lives in Endor. And he says, let's go and see her. And Saul disguises himself and he disguises his servant. And they go in. And they say, we want you to call from the dead the prophet Samuel. Now the witch knows exactly who the prophet Samuel is and, 
And she says, uh, you know, why are you putting me in this position? You're, you're trying to trick me and deceive me because you know that I'm one of the last ones alive. And you're only doing this to flush me out and, and get me out in the open so that you can kill me. And then Saul reveals himself and says, it is I, King Saul, I'm here and I'm asking you to call up the prophet Samuel because God is silent. And I must know my fate. Now what is it that happens in our lives for us to turn away from God? Isn't it feeling like we've been abandoned by God? Isn't it that maybe, maybe we've also maybe abandoned God? And, and we figure that we might as well just like do this on our own or get the help wherever it can come. And, and when we're willing to then go into the dark places to get the help, why? Because even in the darkest of places, there's help that's being offered. And it is there that we're willing to compromise. It is there that we're willing to reach out into the darkness and take the hand, even if the hand that is reaching back is the hand that has no flesh or skin on it left. It doesn't matter how, how dark it is. It doesn't matter how evil it is. It doesn't matter how wrong it is. We will reach for that hand and we will take that help and we will do it because we would rather have that than silence. I think we've been so accustomed to just going into the dark places, living life as it pleases us, and doing whatever we can to experience life that we can sometimes just find a reason to go into the dark places again. Now, Saul had already ordered his decrees against the dark places. He had made his commands known about the dark places. He had killed all those that were in the dark places and even those who would go and seek help from these dark places. But now it is Saul himself going to the dark place. And it makes me think of the times in my own life, and maybe you can also resonate with this, where you know it's wrong. You've left that dark place. You've made a decision to never go back there. In fact, you were very vocal about making sure that those places were torn down and destroyed and that everything that was associated to it would be killed, but now you're willing to take the help from it because that's how desperate you are. Because that's how much the silence is killing you. That you're willing to just do whatever it takes. And I want you to understand that in this moment as we talk about these things, that, that God has something so real and so alive and so filled with light that he wants to offer it to you. That even in the moments of silence, we can sometimes wrongly believe that God is distant, that God is far. But he never is. Because even in the story that we are looking at, the witch of Endor does her seance. And she calls out to the prophet Samuel. And in that moment, God allows... God allows for Samuel to come back from the dead and to speak to Saul. And this is not the first time uh, 
that we're going to see this in the scriptures, there's going to be another time in which Jesus tells a story of a rich man named Lazarus who just kept all of his wealth to himself. Um, and, and there was this poor man, this, I'm sorry, this rich man who had a uh, poor man, Lazarus, who was always begging at his gate. And, and the rich man did everything possible to in, continue to increase his wealth, but didn't care about the poor at his gates. And the Bible says that he remembers Lazarus. And now that he finds himself in hell, he says, hey, can, can you send Lazarus? And it's interesting that he knows that not only where he is, but he knows where Lazarus is. And can you tell Lazarus to dip his finger in cold water and just for him to just touch my lips? And the Bible says that in that moment, just like in the story that we're in, God allows for the rich man to hear, while you were alive, that was the moment for you to believe. That was the moment for you to do what was right. That moment is past now. And he cannot come to where you are, nor can you go to where he is because the gap that is between you cannot be traversed. And all of a sudden, in that story, we understand that there is a separation between light and darkness, that there is a separation between silence and guidance. And that while we are alive, we can seek this guidance. And when we are not alive, then our fate is sealed. And in the story in which we're in, Saul hears from Samuel. And the first thing that Samuel says to him is, why have you disturbed me? And Saul says, I have no one else to ask. And I, what's interesting is that he goes through the witch of Endor, but he doesn't ask the witch of Endor for guidance. He asks for the witch of Endor to contact Samuel and for Samuel to come. So if you look at this story from, a, from the perspective of how it's presented, you can see that Saul still has faith in God. But he's misguided in how he's trying to break the silence. And what we see in the story is the compassion of God. That even though Saul is wrong, and even though Saul is far from God, and even though Saul is going to die in his battle, just like his sons will, here's what's going to happen anyways. God is still going to speak to Saul. He's going to break the silence. He's going to send him the servant that he knows. He's going to speak to him the way that he needs to hear it, because what God ultimately wants is for all of us all of us to know and not be left out in the dark, in the cold, in the hands of evil. Do you think that after hearing from Samuel, Saul still had an opportunity to repent? Do you think that he still had a chance for him and his sons to go into that battle 
and put his faith fully in God, knowing that even if he died, he could still be taken up into the hands of the Almighty One? You see, what Saul believes is that because Samuel tells him that his kingdom is coming to an end, Saul looks at that and says, my life has come to an end. There is no hope for me. He believes that when God breaks the silence and tells him that the outcome is not going to be in his favor, that that means that there is no life after things go wrong, after the battle is lost, after your life is taken, and that of your children. And so he makes the, the mistake in wrongly believing that his life is over. And so instead of turning to God in repentance, he just goes back out into battle and he dies. And so do his sons and his kingdom ends. Do you know what the name Saul means? The Saul means the one asked for. And when it came time to choose a king, the people said, give me Saul. Because he was the one the people wanted. Remember, the people were not supposed to have a king. Their king was supposed to be God. They were supposed to be the only people on the face of the earth with no king. And so it was always a kingdom that was going to end because there could only be one kingdom that would last forever, and that would be the reign of Jesus Christ. Can we say amen to that? It would be the reign of Jesus Christ. It would be the reign of Jesus and so if we get this, if we understand this, and we understand that even in the moments of silence, our temptation is going to be to reach out into the darkness, to go into the forbidden places, is to turn to the occult, or to turn to the witch, or to turn to whoever it is that can give us some kind of guidance. Take the help wherever it is, reach out and touch the dead hand, rather than reach out for the living hand of God. And we will do these things because we will be afraid of the silence instead of seeking the true guidance that can only come from the hand of God. And God wants us to capture this, to understand this. And so in the story that we're in, in 1 Samuel and in verse 14 and verse 27, let's take a look at this verse. It says, Saul asked God, should we go after the Philistines? Will you help us defeat them? But God made no reply that day. And so because he hears nothing, Saul says, I have to do this on my own. Listen, in the moments of silence in our lives, I want you to know that what we must do is not turn to another source, but cry louder to the source that is our guidance. Cry louder to the only source that can guide you out. Don't take the help that's there. Take only the help that is offered by God. And you will ask yourself, well, how will I tell the difference? It's, it's simple. God's help will never be shrouded in darkness. 
It will never come to you from a place that is contrary to what the sacred scriptures have already commanded, to what you already know is morally wrong. That help is not the help we take. The help we take is the help that comes from the Lord. That's why the psalmist tells us, from where will my help come from? And then he answers, my help will come from the Lord. But he needs to look beyond what? The mountain. He needs to look past the mountain. And so he says, I will look past the mountain. I will look beyond the mountain from where my help comes from. And where our help comes from is the only place where our help can come from, where our true guidance can come from. That's how we're going to get out of it. That's how we're going to get past it. That's how we're going to get healed from it. That's how we're going to get delivered from it. That's how we are going to make it. That's how we are going to be better. That's how we are going to be our true selves. That's how we are going to achieve. That's how we are going to be able to give glory to God. Because when it came right down to it, it didn't come from him. It didn't come from her. It didn't come because of this. It didn't come because of that. It didn't come because we looked here and because we went there. It will come because we turned to the only one who can, and that is Jesus Christ. The only one who always will, and that is Jesus. And as we turn to Jesus in this place, I want you to think of the places in your life where you feel God is silent and where you have been looking elsewhere instead of crying out louder to the Lord. The Lord says, you want the dead Samuel to show up? I'll give you the dead Samuel. You want the witch? I'll give you the witch. You want your guidance to come from a dark place? Go. But the outcome will not change. You see, when God gives you guidance, he brings deliverance. When God gives you guidance, he brings you victory. You overcome. You're not overtaken. You were made to be conquerors. You were made in the image of God to be overcomers. And you shall not be defeated. You will not be defeated. So don't turn to the darkness, turn to the light. Don't turn to someone or something or anyone else other than God himself. Go to God through Jesus. He has paved the way. He has made it there for you to have access and to experience God like never before. Be ready right now to hear from God, even in the moments of your own silence, and God will deliver you. Amen? Thank you so much. Can we pray together? <clears throat> Father, I thank you for every person that is here and for their lives and what they mean to you and how you are here to break the silence and to speak to them and to guide them and to help them. 
And Lord, I know that you're here to not just give them a little bit of help. You're here to deliver them. You're here to give them the victory. You're here to lift them up. You are here, oh God, to move them forward. You are here to do great things in them and through them. You are here, Lord, to accomplish so much more than whatever it is that they can think, whatever it is that they have imagined. You are able to bring all things to a yes and to an amen. And I pray, God, that as we would come before you right now, that in the moments of silence in our own lives, that you would speak clearly to us, that we wouldn't turn to anyone but you, and that we would not be afraid of that silence, but it would cause us to call upon your name and to be even more determined, just like you told the story about the widow who persistently went to the judge until he finally gave her justice. She didn't give up, and you're telling us that we shouldn't either that we should persist and that we should believe that as we live for you and do everything we can to live righteously, that you, oh God, will not allow the righteous to be forsaken. And so today, Lord, as we turn to you, we ask, answer our prayers. Speak to us in the silence. Deliver us from the evil one as we, oh God, turn to you and put our faith and trust in only you. In Jesus' name we pray it. Amen. Amen. Well, I hope that blesses you and encourages you and helps us all to move forward in our own spiritual journey. Thank you for joining us on the River's Edge podcast. I encourage you to take the message you have just received and allow it to go deeply into your soul. Let Jesus do the work that only he can do. A heartfelt thank you to all those that generously give to River's Edge and make this podcast possible. You too can be a part of spreading this message and creating life change all over the world by going to riversedge.life slash give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast. Thanks again for listening and God bless you immensely.